the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. In many churches... In business meetings, you see such a, d- a display of the flesh that also like joins hands with Satan. It's demonic, it's jealousy, it's bitterness, it's anger over ridiculous things, things not worth fighting for. You see that in some churches on committees and board meetings and people going at one another. That's Satan's wisdom and it's displayed. That demonic jealousy and petty rivalry. Do you know who your real enemy is? We often live and behave as though our enemy is some person that we know, perhaps someone in our church, at our job, or maybe even someone in our own home. Today, Pastor Steve reminds us that our real enemy is even closer to us than our dearest friends and family. Hello, and welcome again to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In his current study on the book of Nehemiah, Pastor Steve has been helping us to not only understand what took place in Nehemiah's day, but also to see how the record of those events can and should help us today. In this broadcast, we will discover how the ancient story of Nehemiah and his response to the threats that surrounded Jerusalem can teach us some important truths about our most personal struggles. So let's join Pastor Steve right now. Let's open our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4, and uh, we're going to be studying from verses 15 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 23, and you'll recall the context is that the enemies of uh, the Jewish people were planning a surprise attack, and the people were very discouraged, and they said the, uh, the strength of the burden bearers are failing, and Nehemiah encourages them. But now we pick up the story in verse 15. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. And it came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. And I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there or assemble there. Our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, Let each man with his servants spend the night within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I 
my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me. None of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. Now, as we read a portion of Scripture like this, um, I think a very normal, natural question that, that should run through your minds is, how in the world do I apply any of this to my life? How's it relevant for me? After all, uh, how can we relate to building a wall around the city of Jerusalem and then having the threat of literal, real, physical armies want it to wipe us out, surrounding us and killing us? How, how can we relate to that? After all, Nehemiah is writing about the threat of real armies, physical armies, physically attacking the Jewish people. Most of us will never experience a battle like that, if any of us will. And we're not Old Testament Israel uh, at war with surrounding Gentile nations. So what do we do with a passage of Scripture like this? Well, first of all, we need to recognize that uh, we may not have those kind of physical struggles, but we have spiritual struggles, we have battles, we have struggles, we have difficulties, only they are on a different level. They're of a spiritual nature. Uh, we go to war, we're, at war, we're involved in warfare. The scripture says in 1 Peter 5, 8, that your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking to devour believers. So Peter says, be alert, be on guard, be sober minded. So we do have battles. They're of a spiritual nature. Uh, but sometimes we think in spiritual warfare that Satan is, you know, he's out there. He's on the street somewhere. Well, I, I want you to know, and it may shock some of you to know that Satan goes to church every Sunday. He goes to church every Sunday. He's involved in church. And even though our battles are of a more spiritual nature, uh, you are very much involved in it because Satan is, uh, I don't want to say he's part of the church, but he goes to church. And let me, let me just back that up with Scripture because you may wonder, where did he ever pull that one out? Well, first of all, does Satan operate in the church? Sure. In some churches, he's in the pulpit. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, why don't you turn to 2 Corinthians? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 speaks very much about this. He says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It says in verse 15, therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their deeds. He's talking about leadership. He's talking about those who claim to be in leadership. In fact, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.1, that uh, in the end times, and we are in the end times, ever since the time of Messiah's first coming, biblically, it's the end times, some will teach doctrines of what? Demons. Doctrines of demons. Satan is some, in some churches, he's in the pulpit. In some churches, he is also in the pews. Second Corinthians 11, once again, verse 26, the apostle Paul says, I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea. And watch this dangers among who? False brethren, false brethren. Satan is not only in the pulpit in churches, in some churches he's in the pews. In this day and age, the tares grow up with the wheat, and um, we don't always know who is who. In some churches, Satan actually takes control of business meetings. Maybe you've been to churches like that. Uh, why do I say that? Because James speaks about demonic wisdom. 
James, in James 3, verse 13, he says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. In many churches... In business meetings, you see such a, a display of the flesh that also like joins hands with Satan. It's demonic. It's jealousy. It's bitterness. It's anger over ridiculous things, things not worth fighting for. You see that in some churches on committees and board meetings and people going at one another. That's Satan's wisdom, and it's displayed. That demonic jealousy and petty rivalry. In some churches, Satan operates through interpersonal relationships. And we're not talking, by the way, just about liberal, theologically liberal churches. We're talking about evangelical churches as well. In Ephesians chapter 4, we see that Satan can get a foothold through interpersonal relationships. He's an expert at this, been doing it for years. We'll continue to do this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 Paul says, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So there is an anger that's a righteous anger when God's word is violated. God's standards are violated. There is an anger that's appropriate. There is an anger that's righteous. But there is an anger that's sinful when self is involved, when jealousy is involved, when it's you stepped on my rights. That's that's sinful. And Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't don't even let that happen. Even if it's good anger, don't let that happen. Because he says in verse 27, do not give the devil an opportunity. Christians who are angry and bitter and malicious and holding grudges and refusing to forgive uh, are Christians who have given Satan a foothold in their life. And that's why Paul, at the end of this chapter, says, verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do you grieve the Spirit of God? Well, verses 31 and 32 tell us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So uh, Satan often goes to church through the interpersonal relationships of people who are angry and they've given him a foothold in their lives. And uh, because they do that, it just spreads. And then there's maliciousness and you got people bickering with one another. In other churches, the devil operates through ungodly elders and ungodly deacons and ungodly uh, spiritual leadership, or we should say unspiritual leadership, unqualified leaders. First Timothy chapter three, verse six, as Paul is laying down the qualifications of an elder, he makes it very clear. Do not uh, not let a, a young believer, a new convert. He said not a new convert, which means not a new plant, not someone who's new in the faith. Why? Why would you not take a new believer, even though he may be walking with the Lord and uh, let him be an elder? Reason being, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil, because his sin would be the same sin that plunged Satan into ruin, and that is pride. Pride, thinking he's better than others. He can't handle that. You've got to be humbled a little bit in the faith before you can lead others. You've got to follow before you can lead. And uh, this person would be very much like Satan. Pride, exaltation. And so what happens is that... Uh, when churches are not obedient to the scriptures and they do promote somebody who is a new believer, what happens is now you've got somebody who, and, and by the way, you can have somebody who's an older believer and still lifted up with pride and can't handle it. 
But then now you have somebody who you have to endure who runs everything and thinks uh, they're in charge of everything and uh, they have to have their own way or else they make life miserable for other people. So it's true. Satan goes to church. So I don't want you to think that the warfare is just out there. It's here. It's with us. And if it's true that Satan attends church every Sunday, what well, he is diligent, he would, get a, he would get a star for good attendance if we gave out stars. But if it's true that Satan attends church and he's involved in the lives of Christians and he wants to ruin you, then the question is, how can you protect yourself? Is there any protection out there? Is there any protection that God has told us about? And that's the issue that we want to discover from Nehemiah chapter 4. That's how we apply this, because just like the Jewish people of Nehemiah's day who had to protect themselves from their physical enemies, so we need to know how to protect ourselves from our spiritual enemies. And there is protection. Now, the, the key, and I'm just building, building a, a point on this, and we may have to, we'll get as far as we can this week, and uh, Lord willing, next week we'll pick it up again. But the key passage in the in the new testament about spiritual warfare and the protection that you have is found in ephesians chapter 6 so i i invite you to turn there and we'll be going back and forth between ephesians 6 and nehemiah chapter 4 but ephesians chapter 6 is a critical portion of scripture it is the passage if you want to know about spiritual warfare in this day and age you must know ephesians chapter 6 in ephesians chapter 6 Paul writes in verse 10, finally, as I wrap this letter up, you should know this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So there is a strength that comes from the Lord. We can be strong in him. He says in verse 11, put on, and this is how we, we become strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, he says, is not against flesh and blood. I mean, we're not involved in physical warfare is what he's saying. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, and he's talking about it's not only against Satan, it's all demonic uh, forms. It's, uh, it's an order of demonic angels, too. Therefore, he says, take up the full armor of God. Watch this, that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. Now, there are a lot of truths in these verses, but I want to focus on one. And the one is found in verse 13. According to this verse, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you will experience attack. You will be attacked. In what form? Uh, I don't know, because Satan has different strategies for different people. But you will be attacked in, in a variety of ways. Sometimes he uses your weaknesses, and other times, he uses your strengths, which you think you've got under control. But the point that I want you to see is Paul refers to this time of attack. Notice verse 13 as the evil day. Now, what is the evil day? It is not some distant day of judgment. He is not talking about some future day of judgment. He's not talking about that at all. The evil day that Satan attacks, or the, the evil day that Paul is referring to, is any day that Satan attacks. That's the evil day. It could be for you today, it could be tomorrow, it could be in a month. It's any day that Satan attacks, that's the evil day for you. Therefore, Paul says, and notice verse 13, having done everything to stand firm. 
So there is something that we can do. You're going to be attacked, and Paul's point is you cannot avoid the attack, but you must make sure that when he does attack in that evil day, whatever that day is, that you're ready, that, you're, that you have all the full armor of God that he's given you, and you're, you're dressed for battle, so that when he attacks and the dust settles and it clears, you're still standing firm. You haven't spiritually fallen. That's his point. But he says, having done everything, and that's what we want to focus on, what is the everything? so that we're not left unguarded and vulnerable. What can we do to protect ourselves? What is it? Well, that's what we want to see from Nehemiah chapter 4, because last week we left Nehemiah and his people in a crisis. So it happened thousands of years ago. Uh, from our vantage point in our study, we left him in a crisis. Sam Ballot and his colleagues were planning a surprise attack on the city of Jerusalem, on the people they were going to surround them, and Verse 11 of chapter 4, of, we turn back to Nehemiah, but we'll go back to Ephesians, so leave a bookmark there, says this, verse 11, and our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. They said, we're going to have a surprise attack. We're going to come upon them when they don't expect it, and we're going to kill them. And so the people were very discouraged. Very discouraged. And that's what we looked at last week. How to be encouraged. How did Nehemiah encourage them? Well, he did encourage them. But what did they do to protect themselves? They're still left with the problem of, of being protected. So they're encouraged in their hearts. They need to be protected physically. We're going to look at the lessons of this chapter and apply it spiritually. Because the principles are the same. We're going to look at three timeless principles on how to protect ourselves from the enemy's attack. Our enemy is not Sam Ballot. Our enemy, though, is the devil. And actually, the enemy of the Jewish people is the devil, too, behind Sam Ballot. So we're going to look at, if you're taking notes, three timeless principles about how to be protected from our enemy. We'll get as far as, as we can. First of all, the first principle, timeless principle, transcends uh, whether you're in the Old or New Testament era. The first timeless principle about being protected from an enemy is, number one, be prepared. Be prepared for the attack. Be prepared. Notice verse 15 as we get into our text. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us. That is, the surprise attack was known to us. It wasn't a surprise anymore. That God had frustrated their plan. Then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. Sam Ballard and his colleagues were, were planning a surprise attack, but it's no longer a surprise attack when the people found out. God had frustrated their plans, and the Jewish people now were organized. We looked at this a little bit last week. They were organized for this attack. So they, they've taken their, their plot away. God frustrated their plan. So the Jewish people returned to the wall, this verse says, and they continued the work. So they must have stopped for a little while. Now they continued to rebuild. However, the working and the workers here did not continue like they had previous to the threat of attack. Something some things were changed. Verse 16, it came about from that day on that half of my servants carried on the work while half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Very wisely, it says, from that day on, from the day on that they returned, half the people, half of the workers uh, would work on the wall while the other half stood guard. So things had changed. Half were working, half now were standing guard. And there were even some other precautions. Notice 17 and 18. 
Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built while the trumpeter stood near me. Those who carried the materials carried it with with one hand and a weapon in the other. So there were some who just carried materials and they carried it with one hand. They carried their weapons in the other. Then those who actually worked on the wall, the laborers on the wall, uh, worked with uh, both hands, but they wore their swords at their side. So things had changed. You see the principle here? The principle is they were prepared for an attack. And, and here's what you want to get hold of. Even though the crisis may be over in your life, and there you know, usually is a crisis, and then we kind of let down our guard, we need to be careful because even though the crisis may be over, that doesn't mean that you forget about the enemy. Because the devil hasn't forgotten about you. And he wants you to be left unguarded. So you need to be prepared. You need to be ready for an attack. And the question we want to ask is, how do I get ready for an attack? How do I, how do I get prepared? Because you don't know when that evil day is coming. In fact, when you least expect it, that's when it usually hits. Well, now we need to turn to Ephesians 6 again. And we're going to spend some time here. Ephesians 6. Because in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us what those pieces of armor are. are. The protection that God offers is available. You have to avail yourselves of it. You have to wear it and you have to get dressed for battle. Now, keep in mind in context, this is very, I think it's very exciting. The Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians from prison. He was in prison in Rome and he was chained to a Roman guard night and day. And there's a great picture of him. And I don't know if it was exactly like this, but uh, probably it's a great picture of him on one of the covers of Israel, my glory, sitting down with a long chain hooked to a Roman guard. And he's looking at that Roman guard writing down now take on the full armor of God. And he uses the analogy of a Roman soldier and applies it to our spiritual armor. So it may very well have been that, that Paul was looking at this guard and, and uh, making an analogy. He certainly did make an inspired analogy, whether he was actually looking at the guard and then back to his paper, we don't know. But that's the analogy. He uses uh, what a Roman soldier would wear and say, hey, God has given you this for your protection, only it's spiritual. It would be pretty foolish for a soldier to go into battle without any of his equipment. Yet, as believers in Christ Jesus who are engaged in spiritual warfare, we often do exactly that. We just don't seem to grasp the danger that our enemy constantly presents. For Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem, the potential for attack by their enemies was clearly anticipated. They even took energy and resources away from the work they were doing in order to maintain a proper guard against attack. There is much that we can learn from their example. God has told us that our enemy is very good at surprise attacks, and we even know his favorite tactics and weapons. We have no good excuse for going to battle unequipped and unprepared. We must place priority on maintaining a certain readiness for battle, even if this requires us to take time away from work that we are doing for God. In our next broadcast of Verse by Verse, we will take a look at the things that we should be doing in order to make ourselves more ready for the attacks that are sure to come. Here at Verse by Verse, we are committed to declaring the whole counsel of God through careful examination and explanation of the Scriptures. 
If this commitment to the Word of God has been a blessing to you, then please consider partnering together with us in this ministry. Verse by Verse depends on the generous gifts of listeners like you. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us a little more about this partnership. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff, and it's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you receive on Verse by Verse. We believe that the Word of God has answers for problems. We know that life has stresses, life has pressures. We're looking for answers. We believe that the place to look is the Word of God, and we are uh, grateful every time we hear that someone is listening to the radio, and uh, our program has been transformed by by Scripture, because uh, the Word of God is not only inspired, but Paul said it is profitable, and it will transform lives. So we're grateful that uh, we could come into your home, into your car, and and help you deal with life's pressures. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727 727- 441-1714 or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884 Clearwater, Florida 33758 That's P.O. Box 5884 Clearwater, Florida 33758 And we would like to thank you for your prayers and support. Finally, we want to remind you that you can download these broadcasts for free at our website www.versebyverseradio.org Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you will tune in next time as Pastor Steve can... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.